0: The Tale of King Midas Midas was the king of Macedonia, and he was very, very rich. With his money he bought beautiful things, filling his palace with treasures and his garden with the most marvellous flowers, trees and plants. He liked to walk there early in the morning, plotting how to get even richer still, so that he might buy even more lovely things to fill his treasure chests. His greatest treasure of all, however, was his daughter. She cared nothing for her father's wealth. What she liked best was to play in the palace gardens and to pick bunches of flowers. Roses were her favourite, and each morning she would pick the most perfect bloom she could find and put it on her father's breakfast plate. One morning, as he was taking his usual early walk, he heard a curious snoring noise coming from under a hedge. Creeping up, he gave it a shake, then watched to see what would happen. First, a little hairy leg appeared, then another, then a tail. <laughs> said the king to himself. A goat has gotten into my garden, the dirty, smelly thing. I must make sure there are no holes in the fences, otherwise my precious plants will be eaten. Now, come on, you... And he kicked at the poor creature. The thing under the hedge stopped snoring. Then, with a splutter and a sneeze, it slowly uncurled itself and stared up at the great king in terror. It wasn't a goat at all. It was a satyr. Half animal, half man. The creature's name was Silenus, and Midas knew him very well. What are you doing here? said the king, tugging him by the beard crushing my flowers with that great fat belly of yours why aren't you with your master now the lord of the satyrs was Dionysus the god of wine and old Silenus had obviously been drinking at one of his parties his face was red as a holly berry and Midas' neat flower beds were littered with empty wine skins Uh, please sir he stammered we were all coming back from the feast and the others went home without me. Oh, I'm an old man and they were going too fast. But I got lost. Oh, please, uh, forgive me. And a big tear rolled down his cheek. He was frightened of Midas. Everyone knew what a greedy man he was and how he'd stop at nothing to get what he wanted, especially if there was money in it. Gold was his god. But, to Silenus' great surprise, the king's face softened. "'I want your feet, you old rogue,' he said with a smile. "'It's too lovely a morning for a quarrel, and I want my breakfast. Come on, you'd better have some too.' The satyr stayed in the royal palace for five days and nights. The king had very few friends. He was too proud and too greedy.' so he rather enjoyed listening to the old man's stories, watching him eat huge meals and drink the very best wine in the palace cellars. Every evening the gardeners brought garlands of roses and twined them around his neck. Old Silenus felt like a king himself. He couldn't thank Midas enough. Neither could his master, Dionysus. When at last he came to take the old man home, he offered Midas a gift – In return for your great kindness to my servant, he said, I will grant you any wish you care to name. Midas' eyes gleamed. He didn't need time to think up an answer. My lord, he said, grant that whatever I touch shall be turned to gold. That way he would surely win his heart's desire to be the richest man in the whole world. It shall be so, said Dionysus. And taking Silenus by the arm, he went away, back to his own kingdom. But his step was slow, my notice, and his face was troubled. Next day, the king woke up very early. He couldn't wait to see if Dionysus had kept his promise. But the minute he put on his king's robes, he knew it was so. For everything he touched, the goblet by his bed, the dish of grapes, the basin of water, all became solid and hard under his fingers and glittered marvellously in the morning light. It was true. He had the golden touch. He hurried out to his beloved rose garden, stumbling a little because his golden tunic and sandals were now so very heavy, and began to walk around the flower beds. The air was full of birdsong and the sweet smell of roses. Everywhere the bees hummed busily. Midas stretched out his hand and touched the nearest flower. A single rose could be worth a fortune. Now he had the golden touch. Suddenly, a kind of madness seized him and he went up and down the rose garden, turning all of the fragile pink and yellow and red creamy blossoms to pure gold. When he had finished, he turned back towards his palace. He was quite hungry now and he needed a good breakfast inside him before he set about making the biggest fortune the world had ever known. He was much too excited to notice that the heavy gold heads of the roses had crashed down to the earth, that all the birds had stopped singing, and that the bees had gone away. Midas ordered a grand breakfast for himself, and while he was waiting for it he turned his plate and his goblet, his table and his chair into gold. These alone must have been worth many fortunes, he thought. But greedy Midas wanted more. The minute he had some food inside him he would begin in earnest. But what was this? The delicious warm bread his servant had set before him turned into a hard, cold lump halfway to his mouth. The peaches, the figs, the grapes became solid as soon as he tried to eat them. The honey gleamed gold in its solid gold comb and the pitcher of milk broke into pieces, too frail for the weight of gold inside it. Oh yes, King Midas was indeed rich now, but he was hungry too, Deep down inside him, a little worm of panic had begun to wriggle and gnaw. The golden touch was a marvellous gift, but it was a very dangerous one. From now on, he would have to be very careful before he touched things. Perhaps he would call a servant to come and put the food into his mouth. There he sat at his golden table, in his solid gold chair, unable to eat the solid gold bread and fruit or drink the solid gold milk. It was all very silent. No bird song came through the windows, no hum of bees, and the fragrance of the roses had gone forever. They were all gold now, lying on the earth on their broken golden stems. Even his daughter was unhappy today, for instead of her usual laughter, he could hear a sobbing noise floating through the corridors of the great palace. Father! She wept as she ran up to him something terrible has happened the roses have a disease they have no colors anymore and no smell they're just lying all over the garden and the bushes are all broken down i I went to pick one for you but i stop a sudden fear had come over midas and he stretched out his hands don't come any closer i beg you the only living breathing thing in his hateful dead kingdom of gold was this child with her raven black hair and she was more precious to him than life itself stop he cried again but she took no notice she was young and now some awful spell had come upon her rose garden she needed her father's arms around her so she tried to climb upon his knee for a second their fingers touched and in that moment she turned into a little gold statue her arms forever stretched out, seeking comfort, her hair blown around her face and the tears halfway down her cheeks. Midas, seeing them, now wept too. The days passed slowly and nobody came near King Midas. Whispers had gone around the royal household that the king was cursed and even greedier than they had supposed. Had he not turned everything to gold, even his very own daughter. There sat Midas in his great gold chair, his gold bread and milk untouched before him, weeping over his poor gold daughter and wishing with all his heart that he had not been so foolish or so greedy. He remembered the sorrow in Dionysus' face when he had first asked for the golden touch and now he understood. And suddenly the god was standing there before him. What is the matter, Midas? He said, Did I not grant you your heart's desire? And are you not the richest man in the world? Yes, yes, my lord, but I am also the unhappiest, for I have lost my daughter, and all this is nothing to me without her. Take away the golden touch, please, I beg you. Let all be as before, and I shall never again seek riches beyond the dreams of man. Do you promise? said Dionysus gravely. He was not at all sure that the king could be trusted, even now. By all the gods, I swear, Midas answered, and seeing the lifeless statue of his daughter, he cried aloud, begging Dionysus to have mercy on him. Very well, you must go and wash in the waters of the river Pactolos. Let its waters flow over you, and all will be well. Set off at once, for it's a long journey. And then, Dionysus disappeared. It took Midas weeks to reach the river, for he was faint from lack of food and he could hardly drag himself along the ground. But at last, after many days, when he thought he could go no further, he saw the blue gleam of water in the distance. But he needed strength to reach it. Stretching up, he plucked fruit from an overhanging branch Surely Dionysus had already freed him from the curse. But no, the fruit turned cold and hard in his mouth. Just as before. Spitting it out, he crawled inch by agonising inch to the river's edge, threw himself in and bathed his burning limbs in its soothing waters, washing away the terrible golden touch. To this day, people go looking for gold in the river Pactolos. When he was back on the shore, Midas touched the stones on the brink with trembling fingers. What if Dionysus had cheated him? What if the golden touch remained? But no, the pebbles shone white and brown and speckled, like eggs. He was free, he was free from the curse of gold, forever and ever. Stopping only to quench his thirst, he set off at once for home, laughing aloud in his joy. All he wanted was to enfold his daughter in his arms again. And there she was, waiting for him in the rose garden. Inside the palace his servants stood ready with fresh robes and with food and drink. All was as it had been before, except that his daughter's dark hair was now the palest gold. That was Dionysus' doing. It was to remind Midas of his foolishness and to show him that the love of a child matters far more than the love of gold. The End